Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning. We've been looking at crowns and whether they're literal crowns or whether they're metaphorical crowns, they've been teaching us something about the kind of life that God wants us to lead here on earth. It leads to some form of reward, some form of bonus, some form of blessing um, at the end of our lives. And uh, Dan kicked off the series looking at the crowns that Jesus wore, the crowns of glory and honor. Russ looked at the crowns of life, the imperishable crowns. And then he looked at the crown of thorns on Good Friday. And then last week, Mark looked at the crowns of glory and rejoicing. And now it's my turn, and I get to wrap up the series this morning. But before I begin looking at the crown that I've been um, tasked to look at this morning, I've got some good news. Good news is always good, yes? If, like me, you've begun to notice some... I'm not going to call them grey hairs. My friend says her hairdresser calls them silver sparkles, okay? So if, like me, you've begun, or maybe it's a long time since you've begun to notice silver sparkles, maybe you've got a full head of silver sparkles, I've got some good news for you this morning. Because in Proverbs chapter 16, it says, grey hair, or silver sparkles, is a crown of splendour. So there's none of this waiting for eternity for you. You've got a crown right now. Your gray hair is a crown of splendor. So babe, it's all good. It's all good. It's a crown of splendor. It's not just gray. What Russ and Jake and people like that are going to do, I'm not quite sure because they've got nothing. (laughs) They're going to have to wait until eternity. So this idea of crowns, it's designed to get us to look at what is, the, what is the kind of thing that God is looking for in this life that we are then blessed for and rewarded, whether it's literal or not, is, it, that's kind of irrelevant. But what is the kind of life that God is looking for now? And we're asking that question, not how can I live in a way that earns God's approval, Okay, very few difference in the words there, but a huge difference in the meanings. How can I live in a way that honors God, but we're not asking, how can I live in a way that earns God's approval? Because we get God's approval the minute we say yes to following Jesus. The minute we accept Jesus as our Savior, the minute we make him our Lord, we are accepted and approved by God. There's nothing we have to do. There's nothing we can do to try and earn that acceptance, earn that approval. We have it already. Jesus at his baptism, I love this, because when Jesus got baptized, at that point, he hadn't done anything. He hadn't taught. He hadn't performed a miracle. He hadn't gathered people around him to teach. He'd done nothing. And yet, what does God speak over him? He says, this is my son. In him, I am well pleased. I'm proud of him. You see, Jesus hadn't done anything, but had the approval of his father. And it's the same with us, that we, at the moment of saying, Jesus, I accept you. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. The Bible says we are accepted. We are made righteous. We don't have to earn the approval of God. Aren't you pleased about that this morning? You've got, not got to every day strive, oh God, do you like me today? Do you love me? He's like, yes, I do. Yeah. But 
out of that extravagant grace, that extravagant love that God lavishes on us, there should be something within us that says, God, because you love me so much, I now want to live a life that honors you. I want to live a life of righteousness. I want to live a life that pleases you, that honors you, not trying to strive for your approval, but just in reflection of what you've done for me, I want to live that kind of life. And so today we're looking at the crown of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. So Paul, in his letter to Timothy, um, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul gives Timothy some instructions, some things that he wants Timothy to do. And he says things like, preach the word of God, be prepared with a good answer in season and out of season, correct Rebuke and encourage the people you're teaching. Keep a clear mind. Endure hardship. Tell others about Jesus and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So Paul's giving Timothy specific instructions. And really it's for two reasons. The first reason, because Paul's saying, listen, in light of the fact that one day, Timothy, you are going to stand before Jesus and you're going to give account for all that you've done, make sure that you live the life that God has planned for you. Make sure you do the things that God has asked you to do, like preaching the word, like fulfilling the work at your ministry, like being prepared in season and out of season. But Paul is also telling Timothy these things because Paul knows that his life is coming to an end. He knows that his time on earth is coming to an end, and he wants to input and invest into Timothy all that he can. And then Paul goes on to say these words. This is him talking to Timothy. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So see, Paul knows that the t- his time on earth is coming to an end. He knows that the time of his death is near. But he also knows that because of how I've lived... I've got a crown waiting for me. Because of how I've conducted myself, I've got this crown of righteousness. And so we find the answers for who can receive the crown and how can we receive it. Because there's no good talking about a crown if we're thinking, well, how do I actually get that and who can get it? So the first question, who can receive the crown of righteousness? Those who fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith, and who eagerly await the return of Jesus. But how do we do that? Um, for me, I'm the, the kind of person I am, I think it's, it can sometimes be very easy to give a great statement, like, yeah, we've got to fight the good fight. But what does that actually look like? When you go to work tomorrow or wherever you might be, what does that look like? Because we can all say, yes, amen, let's fight the good fight, let's finish the race. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. If that's how we receive this crown of righteousness, fighting the good fight, keeping the faith and finishing our race, how do we do those things. Well, like any good preacher, well, actually, I don't have three points today. I've got four points. So I'm really blessing you today as a bonus. First of all, we do that. We receive this crown. We fight the good fight, keep the faith, finish our race by knowing whose we are. By knowing whose we are. 
Why was Paul so confident? Because that's a pretty confident statement. Because he's basically saying, listen, Timothy, my life's coming to an end, and I've done it. I'm finished. I've done all that I was called to do. How could he be so confident in saying that? Well, it's because he knew whose he was. Paul writes in his first letter to Timothy, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by God. To Titus, he writes, this letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus. In Ephesians, Paul writes again, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. You see, because he knew whose he was, he was then able to do the thing that he'd been called to do. His confidence came out of his calling, sorry, came out of his confidence in whose he was. He knew that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He knew that he'd been chosen by Jesus. And if we want to be people who live a life doing the things that God wants us to do, whether that's collectively as new life or whether that's individually, we need to have confidence in whose we are. We need to have confidence that we're known and loved and accepted and chosen. For Paul, for him, his fight in the good fight was preaching to the Gentiles. That's what Jesus asked him to do. Paul, this is my commission for you. It was fighting the good fight, preaching to the Gentiles. It meant preaching even when it led to him being beaten, even when it led to him being imprisoned or shipwrecked. That was his calling. And Paul did it, but he was able to do it because of the confidence in the one who had called him. And I wonder if you know whose you are. I wonder if you have that same confidence like Paul. I'm Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Do you and I have that same confidence? We're called by Jesus. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. If we want to be people who can get to the end of our lives and say, I fought my good fight, I finished my race, I've kept my faith, and we need to have a solid confidence that we are Christ, that nothing can change that. Because you see, how we live doesn't, can't change that we're loved and accepted by God. That is, that is sealed as soon as we say yes to following Jesus. But if we want to be able to say, I have done all that God asked me to do, if we want to be able to, like Paul, say, I fought the good fight, I finished my race, then we need to have confidence in whose we are. And I think that that kind of confidence leads to us being able to run our race without comparing our race to anybody else's. Have you ever watched kids when they're running? Um, you know, like on the school field, you have like the lines, um, you know, the big white lines of the, the track. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word then. And sometimes, you, you know, it's, uh, parents, um, sports days and all that kind of stuff. I used to dread if ever they do like a parents race. I'd be like, please don't ask me to run because I'll just embarrass the kids. But when you see little kids running down the track and you can, there's always a child who's kind of out in front. And sometimes what they do is they're running and they start to look behind them and they end some kind of like weaving off their lane and then they stumble and fall over. Because instead of just being in their lane and concentrating on the finish line for where they, they go, they're looking around, what's everybody else doing? What lane are they in? But listen, when we have confidence that, Jesus, this is what you've called me to do, and I'm not so blinkered that I'm not aware of anybody else, but this is my race that you've called me to do, and I want to be the best me that I can be in that race. Because your race may be being a teacher. That may be your race. Your race may be to be a mum. Your race may be to be an engineer, whatever it is. 
But when we have confidence that, Jesus, you've called me to run this race, we don't need to compare ourselves to other people. We don't need to think, well, she's doing it better than me. I wish I was more like her. Or I wish I had opportunities like him. No, no, no. Be confident that Jesus has called you and you run in your race. Paul says that runners run to get a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And that's what this is about. This is not just about, well, I'm just doing my thing, but actually, no, we're doing this because this matters. So know whose you are. The second thing is how do we fight the good fight, finish our race, keep the faith, is to run with perseverance. Now, Russ preached on this a couple of weeks back, and I was a bit worried he was going to steal uh, steal some of what I want to say. So if you've not listened to Russ's preach from two Sundays ago, definitely find it on YouTube or podcast and listen to it. Because how easy is it to start things? How many of you have ever started, like, it's always on Monday, isn't it? On Monday, I'm going to start a new eating regime. Yeah, any Monday starters in the room? Come on, be honest now, any Monday starters. You know what I'm talking about. It's easy, isn't it? Monday morning, start a new fitness regime. Alarm goes off, we're up, running or whatever takes your fancy. It's easy. It's easy to start things. It's easy to have goals. It's easy to think, yes, this is it. What's more difficult is continuing it. Because when life gets in the way and we get a bit tired, I think, oh, I can't really be bothered, or something, something kind of interrupts our flow, something gets in the way. And when that passion dies, that's when it's really hard to keep going. And Russ said, passion gets you started, but perseverance gets you to the finish. And if we want to be people who at the end of our lives can stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I've fought the good fight. I've done what you asked me to do. We have to run with perseverance. We have to stick with Jesus, stick with the race that he's put us on. Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, Paul knew, Paul could confidently say that, because he knew, I've stuck with this. I've been beaten up, but I've stuck with it. I've been in prison, but I've stuck with it. I've been shipwrecked, but I've stuck with it. I've been lied about, but I've stuck with it. There was a perseverance, something within him, that even when life got tough, he stuck with it. And you know, if you and I want to be able to stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, then there has to be an element of perseverance that we stick with it. In my time of leading churches over the last I wrote in my notes two decades. I'm like, surely I'm not old enough to have led church for two decades, but I, but I am. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a painful thought. But during my time of leading church, I have seen, and you probably have too, so many people start really well, all in for Jesus. He saved me, he's changed me. And yet when life starts to throw difficulties their way, they fade off and they give up. When somebody in church says something that offends them, when things don't happen as quickly as they, they think they should, when life isn't quite going as they want, they lose their faith. Now, I'm not saying those things don't matter because they do, but actually, we have to have a bit of stickability. I don't know if that's a word, but I think it's a good one, a bit of stickability. And a friend of mine has a great phrase. She says, we have to decide on a good day who we're going to be on a bad day. 
Because there'll be days when you and Jesus, you're like, you're singing with the angels. Heaven is in your living room. It's beautiful. It's like nothing can go wrong. But on them days, those are the days you have to decide when life gets tough, I'm going to stick with this. When life gets difficult and the challenges come, I'm going to stick with this. When life is just confusing, I'm going to stick with this. Sometimes fighting the good fight, finishing your race, keeping the faith means just keep showing up. Just keep turning up. Just keep serving. Just keep giving. Just keep loving. Because sometimes life isn't going to go our ways, but Jesus has to mean more to us than, well, I'm having a bad day, so I don't care about Jesus today. He is, he's the son of God. He's the king of kings. And I want to be somebody that even on my worst days, when I'm struggling, actually, Jesus, I'm clinging on to you. And something you'll often hear me say is that the times, the very times when you think, I don't really feel like going to church today. I don't really feel like going to small group or whatever. Let me tell you, they are the very times you need to be there. Because even if you are there and you've got nothing to give, you're surrounded by people who love you, who can build you up, who can help you, who can encourage you. We've got to run with perseverance. It's not always going to feel like it's full of life and full of Jesus, but sometimes that power of just habitually turning up, keep serving, keep giving. There's a great song me and Mark like listening to some, we call them golden oldies, they're probably not all that old, but a song called, um, I've forgotten the title, I think it's called I Will Follow Christ, but listen, this is, what the, this is what the the chorus says, I will follow Christ, I will run the race, fight in the good fight, standing on my faith, I will wear the name of Jesus, I will give him all my life, as for me, no matter what the sacrifice, I will follow Christ. Let's not just be starters, but let's be finishers. Let's be people that when we stand before Jesus, we can look around and see each one of us because, hey, we've stuck with it. Sometimes hanging on by our fingernails, but my goodness, we've got there and we've stuck with it. Because when you're having a bad day, I want to be there to support you and and help you and build you up. And I would love to think that when I'm having a day of struggle, because we all have them, we all have times when life is tough and we're like, where are you, Jesus? I want to know that when I'm having them days, you people here are like, come on, Dina, we've got this. So we've got to run with perseverance. Thirdly, we've got to fight for what's right. I don't know if you've ever watched um, a program such as Comet Relief or Children in Need or maybe even the news. And something on that program that you've seen has so gripped you. The plight that the people are going through, maybe it's children who are hungry, Maybe it's displaced refugees are having to flee from where they live. Maybe it's a lack of water or medication for, for the people that you, you're watching. Maybe it's an injustice that you just can't ignore. For all of us, different things affect us in different ways. Maybe the person sitting next to you will be gripped and affected by something that you're quite okay with. But actually, the truth is, our faith is not just meant for our own benefit or for the people around us. We're called to make a difference in our world. And that's what fighting for what's right is all about. Because you see, when God created the world, he didn't design a world where people would be lonely. God didn't design a world where children would go hungry, where people would live in poverty, where there'd be no opportunities. That's not the kind of world God designed. God designed a world of goodness 
and a world of love. And our job is to bring those ways, God's ways, into our world now, bringing his kingdom, his values, his priorities into our world. Now we're called to make a difference in our world. And that's what fighting for what's right is about. Now listen, in our world today, there are hundreds and hundreds of people doing great things Charities, non-for-profit organizations, paid staff, volunteers, lots and lots of people fighting lots of, for lots of really, really good causes. But what sets us apart then? What sets us apart is, is why, what, what we as Christians do. Why is it different? Well, listen, because we're doing it in the name of Jesus. Because we're not just feeding a hungry stomach, but we're feeding a hungry stomach with something of Jesus in us. We're not just making things better. We're doing it in the name of Jesus. And that is not to take away from what anybody else is doing. A lot of people doing a lot of good things. But when we do it, there should be that essence, that smell, that, that something of Jesus in us. I remember when Russ preached in the Essence series, and it was just this simple illustration that if you give somebody a glass of water, there's something of Jesus in that. And when we're thinking about our world and we're looking around us, if we want to be people who can say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. We need to fight for what is right. We need to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. We need to do what we can to make the world more like Jesus wants it to be. So the question we need to ask is what bothers me enough to do something about it? What bothers you enough to do something about it? And not just to have that emotional kind of, oh, it's really bad. But actually, yeah, it's really bad. Okay, what can I do about it? How can I bring Jesus into that situation? We can't fix every problem in the world. Don't get overwhelmed. But you can do your bit. What is it that Jesus has empowered and gifted you to do? What do you have that you can give to help bring God's kingdom into the here and now? So we've got to know whose we are. We've got to run with perseverance. We've got to fight for what's right. And we need to live with an eternal perspective. Live with an eternal perspective. You see, we have to understand that how we live today matters. It matters. Because we don't just live for this present day. But we live knowing that how we live today has a significance in eternity. There's a great line. Mark told me not to use it. He says it's a bit cheesy now, but I liked it anyway, so I, I, I'm going to go for it. But in the film Gladiator, anybody watch Gladiator, Russell Crowe, great film. Bit of gore, but great film. There's a beautiful line in it. And he says this, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And the more I think about it, and we don't know, hey, let's be, be real, we don't quite know what it's all going to look like when we see Jesus face to face, but regardless of what that's going to look like, when you stand before Jesus, when I stand before Jesus, there's going to be people who are also standing there because of something you and I did. Yeah. <sighs> Mind blown. Just think about that for a minute. Because of how I live today, because of how I conduct my life, because of how I treat people, because of how I speak to people, because of how I bless people, 
some of those people, I'm going to have influenced them to find Jesus. And they will then be in heaven standing before Jesus because of something I've done and because of something you've done. That is powerful. It matters how we live. It matters how we speak. I've seen... And this has never happened in new life, but I've seen so many times. I've been in Christian conferences, and we, we've sung, and we've worshipped, and we've, we've loved Jesus, and we've blessed one another. And then people have gone out and just torn each other to shreds with their words, been unkind to the person serving them in the shop, berated somebody. Listen, it matters. It matters how we live. And the, the great illustration that I heard um, a number of years back was if you imagine a scale of kind of zero to ten, And zero, when we're at zero, that's the point where we know nothing about Jesus at all. Not interested, nothing of faith. And then right the way to 10, that's when we're full on, disciple, loving Jesus, serving him. Your responsibility, my responsibility is not to have to get people from zero to 10 in one kind of conversation. Because maybe I'll speak to somebody and they'll just see something in me and they know I'm a Christian. That gets them from zero to one. How amazing. And maybe a few months later, that same person bumps into you and through your lifestyle and your interaction, you move them from one to four. Well done. Great job. And gradually over their life, they move up the scale. But listen, when they're in heaven, who got them from naught to one? Well, that was something I did. And, and, and that's the point that actually how we live, it's not about oh, who's in heaven because of me and how great I am. But Jesus, how can I influence people? How can I do something that helps people move along that scale that actually when they stand before Jesus, I can say, that's part, I did that. I've run my race. That was part of me fighting my good fight. And that's why when our lives become just about me and what I want, And what I need to get out of life, we miss that eternal perspective. We miss that this is not just about here and now, but this matters for eternity. Paul says in Philippians, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith. Now, I don't want to kind of give any sort of impression when I'm saying it matters how you live that, that, that I'm perfect. You, you know I'm not. We, none of us are. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try and do the best that we can to speak words of grace, to speak kindly, not just to people, but about people. I'm, I'm amazed constantly how easy it is for people to pull down other people. We are Christians. Yeah. We are the light of the world. We are full of Jesus. That should make a difference. And we have to know that how we live today has an eternal significance. It makes a difference for eternity. Life is not just about focusing on me and what's good for me and what are people doing for me. But Jesus, let me serve you. Let me love you. Let me love people around me. I'm going to ask the band just to come up if they're, if they're ready to do that. Before we moved to Scunthorpe, um, we led a church in Hull, and it was part of the Methodist uh, denomination of churches. And the Methodist uh, denomination, every year, every Methodist church will have what's called a covenant service. Some of you may be familiar with this, I'm not sure. They either do it in January or in September, that's the start of their kind of church year. And basically, they, they take that time, they take that service to 
reevaluate their commitment to Jesus. They reevaluate their commitment to Him, their dedication to Him, their devotion to Him. And every year they make a fresh a covenant of, of Jesus, I'm here to serve you. I'm yours, you're mine, I'm here to serve you. And it might be that over these previous weeks as we were looking at this series of Crowned and, and looking at, okay, what is the kind of lifestyle that God rewards? What is it the kind of life that he smiles upon? And it may be that you've listened and, and thought, actually, I, I'm feeling a stirring that I've got to... I've got to start changing some things. I need to maybe start some new things and maybe I need to stop some things. Maybe there's some relationships that I'm realizing they're not honoring to God. Maybe I've got to start ending those and maybe starting some new ones. I've got to make a few tweaks here and there. I need to reprioritize how I spend my time, how I spend my money. Maybe you've realized that actually yeah, how I live matters and it has a bearing on eternity. And maybe this morning you just want to be able to refocus and say again, Jesus, I want to live my life for you because I want to be able to get to the end of my life and say I fought the good fight. I finished my race and I've kept the faith. And in a minute, I'm going to put the the covenant prayer that the Methodist Church used. I'm going to put it up on the screen. And I'm just going to stay there. I'm going to let you read it. And I'm going to pray. And then if you feel that this is something that you can pray, because it's quite a powerful prayer to pray. If you feel this is something I want to pray, I want to recommit again, Jesus, I'm all in for you. Then after I've prayed, any that want to can stand with me and we're going to pray it together and then we're going to worship. Is that okay? So if you can just put it on the screen, if that's okay, hopefully you can read it. And I'm just going to pray now while you guys are reading it. And then we'll stand together, those that want. So Jesus, I thank you so much because we have the opportunity to live a life today that has an eternal significance. I thank you that we have the opportunity to be able to stand before you and say, we fought the good fight, we finished the race, and we've kept the faith. And I pray that right across this room now, Jesus, you'll be stirring our hearts to go again, to persevere, to stick with you in the good times and the challenging times. That we'll fight for what's right. We'll bring your kingdom into the here and now. That we'll live like our lives matter, because they do. And Jesus, that in all we do, we will live for your glory and your honor. Because ultimately, any crowns we get, we're going to place at your feet in honor of you. We're going to crown you with the crowns that we get because you are worthy. So help us, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So zero pressure. But if you want to stand with me and read this covenant again, then please do stand now. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. 
Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.